0: Just finished a fantastic week of vacation Bible school uh, this past week. I want to thank everyone for your prayers for our vacation Bible school. I want to thank everyone who served in our vacation Bible school this past week. God did amazing things in us and through us and among us all week. Uh, one of the highlights that I can share with you about what God did is 23 children professed faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time. Yes, that is why we do what we do. Amen. Seven others are doing business with the Father in regards to a relationship of God by faith in Jesus. And so we're excited about that. I want to say thanks to Sheila and Kelly. Are Sheila and Kelly in here? I don't know if Sheila and Kelly are in here. They're probably getting ready in the back. Listen, they did a great job of leading our church family this past week. And I want you to make sure that Uh, They know from us how much we love and and support them and have been blessed by them uh, through Vacation Bible School. It has been truly an unbelievable week. The theme of our Roar Vacation Bible School has been, Life is Wild, God is Good. Our children learn that when life is scary, when life is unfair, when life changes, when life is sad, when life is good, God is good. I think most of us, if not all of us, would agree that life is wild. Life seems to get wilder and crazier with every passing day. I am sure we would all agree that God is good. That God is good for all time with you and with me in all he does for us. As followers of Jesus Christ, we know when life is unfair, when life is scary, when life changes, when life is sad, when life is good, our almighty God is good. We know God is with us. We know God loves us. We know God is watching over us. We know God has prepared an eternal home for us in heaven one day because Jesus told us this in his word. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. God is our good, good father. And we are truly loved by him. I firmly believe the believers in Thessalonica years and years ago would agree with the theme of our vacation Bible school this past week. Life was wild for the believers in Thessalonica as they faced persecution and opposition for their faith in Christ Jesus. These believers turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. They were growing in their faith in God as Paul, Silas, and Timothy taught them God's commands and instructions. Persecution and opposition came against them early on in their walk with the Father, because of the difference they were making in the city of Thessalonica. Though these believers were young in their faith in Jesus, they stood firm in their faith and trust in Jesus. Timothy saw this on his trip back to Thessalonica to check on the believers. And Timothy shared this with Paul and Silas when he met back up with them in Corinth after returning for the second time from Thessalonica. Life was wild for the believers in Thessalonica due to the culture around them, which was opposed to Jesus. In particular, sexual immorality was rampant in Thessalonica. Adultery, cohabitation, divorce, fornication, homosexuality, lust, pornography, prostitution was practiced openly and unashamedly with little or no shame or guilt. In Thessalonica. This was the culture these believers were saved out of. This was the culture these believers still lived in. This was the culture these believers were called to minister to in there in Thessalonica. Knowing these things, Paul wrote instructions from our Father God to the believers in Thessalonica about how they could live and please God in the culture in which they lived. How they could live and please God as they were doing, but they could do it even more, more and more, beginning in 1 Thessalonians chapter four. This is where we see these instructions coming out of God's word, not only for these believers years ago, but for you and me this morning. So open your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter four. We're gonna continue looking at this amazing passage before us uh, as Paul is uh, encouraging not only these believers, but us today, uh, about how to live and please God. Uh, As we see, and as we've made note, uh, it's interesting, the first truth that God led Paul to teach the Thessalonian believers was about their need for holiness. And so we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter Three, or chapter four, rather, beginning in verse three, for this is God's will, your sanctification that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. Holiness would allow these believers to live and please God. Holiness would allow these believers to stand out in Thessalonica. Holiness would allow these believers to minister in Thessalonica. Holiness was vitally important for the believers in Thessalonica and holiness is vitally important to you and me today as followers of Jesus Christ. Let's look at these three truths about holiness. We touched on these last week. I just want to hit them real quick again this morning because they serve as some of the foundational truths for us in regards to this passage that God has prepared for us this morning. Uh, And so, I want to remind us of these truths. Truth number one God's a holy God. God is perfect, pure, and blameless. God is completely set apart from sin, impurity, and immorality. Truth number two God wants us to live holy lives. God's a holy God, and He wants us to live holy lives. He wants us to be holy in all that we do because He is holy in who He is and all He does. We have a problem called sin and. The reality of our lives today is we can't live holy lives pure and pleasing to God because we are sinners separated from God because of our sin against God. The third truth is a great truth. We live holy lives by faith in Jesus. God has set us apart from sin and set us apart to the Savior Jesus by his grace through our faith in Jesus. Though we cannot live holy lives pure and pleasing to God, though we cannot continually resist the temptations of sexual immorality or any other sin, for that matter, in our wisdom, in our strength, we can live holy lives pure and pleasing to God by our faith in Jesus expressed through our obedience to Jesus. And so with these foundational truths in mind, we see verse three, uh, Paul wrote these words, for this is God's will, your sanctification that you keep away from sexual immorality. God's will is our sanctification. Sanctification, once again, means holiness. It means purity, purity. It means to be set apart from sin and set apart to the Savior Jesus. God has sanctified us once and for all. God has set us apart from sin and set us apart to the Savior Jesus by his grace through our faith in Jesus. God sanctifies us on a daily basis. God continues to to set us apart from sin and set us apart to the Savior. God is continuing to grow us in holiness and in our faith in Jesus by the power of His Holy Spirit in us day by day as we follow Jesus by faith. For this is God's will, your sanctification, that you, that you points out to each one of us our part in God's sanctification work in our lives. God is the one sanctifying us. God is the one doing his work in us. But we have a part to play in God's sanctification work. And part of that role that we have to play is to keep away from sexual immorality. We live and please God as we keep away from sexual immorality. We grow in holiness as we keep away from sexual immorality. We grow in our faith in Jesus as we keep away from from sexual immorality. It's God's will that we keep away from sexual immorality. So, we shared last week, sexual immorality is sin. Every form of sexual immorality is sin. Sexual immorality encompasses all sexual activity and practices outside God's will and design for sex. We shared last week God's loving will design and boundary for sex is within a marriage relationship between a man and a woman a husband and a wife this is God's will for us we don't live according to the world's will which is drastically different we live according to God's will God's will is best for us God's will protects us and God's will blesses us our part is to desire and obey God's will day by day. That's our part. It's to desire and obey God's will day by day, which that includes then we are to keep away from sexual immorality. And so Paul continued in that passage. He said that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor. That each of you, Paul said that each of you there at the beginning of verse 4, that each of you points out once again, Paul is doing this over and over again as we've seen uh, throughout our study. Paul once again reminds all believers, those in Thessalonica, us today, reminds all believers of our own personal responsibility to obey God's commands. That you, that each of you, and he says that each of you knows how to. Paul reminded the believers in Thessalonica of the instructions. He, Silas, and Timothy taught them how uh, focusing in on how to live and please God while they were with them in Thessalonica. Remember we shared that Paul, Silas, and Timothy taught these believers what God wanted them to know. How to live and please God taught them what God wanted them to know. And they taught them how to apply what God wanted them to know in their lives. And this is further confirmation of this. Knows how to is a reference to the knowledge. Knows how to. That's the knowledge the Thessalonian believers had received from God by his Holy Spirit through the teaching ministry of Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Each one of us needs God's know-how to live God's way. Each one of us here this morning needs God's know-how to live God's way. God has given us his know-how to live his way in his word. God's Holy Spirit in us empowers us to put God's know-how, how to work In our lives, he he empowers us. Holy Spirit living within us. Helps us, empowers us, encourages us to put God's know-how that we find in his word to work in our lives day by day. That each one of you knows how to control his own body. Control means to master or to possess. To control, to master to possess his own body. Body is uh, our English translation from the original word skuas. And skuas is often translated vessel. And even at times, it's not quite as often, not near as often as body or vessel, but at times it's translated as wife. The translation body here is the right translation, it's the right translation. Within the context of the passage, it fits the context best. We know that God, through Paul, Silas, and Timothy, taught the Thessalonian believers, all the Thessalonian believers, male and female, married and single, young and old, how to control their own bodies. God, through Paul, Silas, and Timothy, had given these believers the know-how To control their own bodies. Each one of us is called to control and master our own body. We're not called to control and master anyone else's body. We have enough trouble with our own. Please understand. We're not called to control... Or master our husbands or our wives, anyone else's body. We're called to control and master our own body. We know ourselves. We know ourselves better than anyone other than our Father God. We know where and when we are weak and susceptible to temptation. I sure hope you've done a personal inventory. I sure hope you have got with the Father. I sure hope you've given great consideration and thought and study to your own life, in regards to your own life. I hope and pray you've allowed the Holy Spirit of God to help you understand yourself To help you understand where you're weak. To help you understand when you're weak. To help you understand the temptations that Satan uses against you that seem to have some effectiveness in leading you and luring you and enticing you away from the Father and into sin. I hope you're well aware As I am that we're prone to wander away from God into sin. I hope we would all agree and understand that though our spirit is willing, our flesh is weak. He said each one of us are to control our own body. You see, we know ourselves. But even more than that, we also know that we have God's know-how in his word to control and master our own bodies. We have the answers right here in this word. We have the power, of the Holy Spirit of God living within us. We're victors in Christ Jesus. And so we can, in His strength, walk in victory in this area. That's why Paul was encouraging his believers that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Holiness means purification. It it means sanctification. It means to be set apart from sin and set apart to the Savior. So God wants us, each one of us, to know how to, which we find in his word, control our own body in holiness. That means we are to live pure lives. We're to live set apart from sin. We're to live holy and pleasing lives to our Father God. And so we're to live holy lives. We're to live and please God. We're to control our own body in holiness. As one pastor said, holiness doesn't mean we are sinless. Holiness means we should sin less. And we're also called to control our own body in honor. In honor. So not just in holiness, but in honor. Honor means to respect. It means to value. So we're to control our own body in holiness. We got an idea of what that means. We're to control our own body in honor. It means God wants us to live in such a way that we are respectful of the body that he has given us. To live in such a way that we recognize the great value that he has placed on our bodies, to recognize the great value we have with him because of, he, of how he created us in his image. You see, we're going to talk about this later, maybe this, maybe this morning. Maybe have, you may, may have to wait till next week as we continue in this passage. But we know, one thing is for sure, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. He dwells within us. I don't know about you, but that's great value that God has given to our bodies. And so we're to control our own bodies in holiness, pure, pleasing to God, set apart from sin. We're to control our bodies in holiness, but also in honor, given recognition, consideration, and giving praise to God because He has created us. He's given us the bodies that we have. And we're going to live in such a way, we're going to control our bodies in such a way that that we demonstrate to the Father that, that God, we, we understand the value that you have given to our bodies. And we want to honor you. We want to please you. We want to praise you by controlling our bodies in holiness and honor. And he continues, he continues But we need to see, and we just want to stop for just a minute, just to make sure we understand and realize. Controlling our own body and holiness and honor does not mean we live boring, angry, dull lives, mad at God and everyone else because we can't have any fun or enjoyment in the world. So many times people think of holiness as being boring and dull and just no fun and got to go out in the middle of a desert and live by yourself and you can't just look anywhere, or do anything. You just got to look down and you can't ever look up. And that's not what controlling our bodies in holiness and honor means. Controlling our bodies in holiness and honor means we live in victory over immorality. It means we live with the blessings of God that come to us as we walk in obedience to God. You see, l- controlling our bodies in holiness and honor allows us to embrace and enjoy, to know and fulfill God's will for our lives. Because this is God's will, your sanctification, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control your own body in holiness and honor. And so we begin to understand that controlling our bodies in holiness and honor is a blessing for us and it truly allows us to experience the fullness of God's will for our lives and his plan for our lives and so we we understand we're control our own body and hold this not he said not with lustful passions so here is where we get the compare and contrast not with lustful passions like the gentiles who don't know God. Lustful passions means strong cravings, desires, and urges that come from within us, our flesh, and do not stop until they're satisfied. Lustful passions, strong, overwhelming. Cravings, desires, and urges that come from within us, our sinful flesh, that demand to be satisfied and that refuse to be stopped until they're satisfied. Lustful passions can control, enslave, and master us. That's why Paul is saying, control your own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions. Lustful passions can control, enslave, and master us. And we see this every week. Everywhere we look. Within the culture we live, we see folks controlled, mastered, enslaved by the lustful passions of the sinful flesh. And Paul recognized clearly that this is also a struggle for those of us who claim the name of Christ. You see what Paul is saying, God through Paul to you and me this morning is God wants us to control our own body in holiness and honor, in a way that is pleasing to God. Not to be controlled by our body and by the lustful passions, desires, and urges of our sinful flesh for sexual morality or for any other sin for that matter. You see, we are to control our bodies. We are not to allow our bodies to control us. And we, know, we all know how addictive sin can be. We all understand this, we all know this. We all know how addictive the specific sin in view here, the sin of sexual immorality and all that that encompasses. We know how addictive those sins can be. We also know how addictive other sins can be. And you know, What happens many times, these most addictive sins impact our bodies. Impact our bodies and our minds in some very damaging ways. Paul said, control your own body in holiness and honor. We're to control our bodies. We're not to allow our bodies to control us. We see this today in our culture and It's frightening, it's a challenge. In particular, one sin of sexual morality, and we won't labor this long, we may get into this more next week. In particular, one sin of sexual morality, one aspect of that overall category of sin is pornography. And we see the devastation of pornography. In our culture today, do you know that statistics show that the first exposure of young boys to pornography happens at the age of eight? That's terrifying. our enemy works through those exposures, young boys, young girls. You see the statistics specific again, we'll just look at pornography and what we begin to see is one of the groups that pornography is rising in is among females, among young girls and ladies, pornography, started and spent most of its existence really as a struggle for for males more so, certainly more so than females, but since it continues to go more and more mainstream, it's wiping everybody out in its path. Urges, cravings, desires that rise up within us our sinful flesh, that demand to be satisfied. Battle for our mind rages. And so, years ago, this was clear because pornography was everywhere. Wide open. These believers were saved out of that culture, and living in that culture, ministering in that culture, and the same is true for us today. Pornography is becoming more and more wide open, acceptable as the norm within the world, within the world. So these words are very important for us, they're very applicable to us, and that's just one aspect of sexual morality. We could sit there and go through all the different aspects This is is real, this is serious for us. Dads and moms, just real quick, I'd I'd take note. I'd take note. Dads and moms, especially young kids, don't think they're too young. Don't think they're too young. Protect, 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 love, love, love. Guard, guard, guard. Communicate. Talk to your kids. The world will raise them if you let it. The world will raise them. Their friends will inform them. Don't let it happen. You go first. You go first. Well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to approach it. I'm embarrassed. I don't know what, to, I, don't know, I don't know what to do. Well, let me just offer this, if that's you, I'm no expert, but come and talk to me, I'll help you. I'll help you know what to tell them, I'll know how, I'll help you. I know there's some others that'll help you as well. We gotta get past that. We gotta get past that as parents that we're uncomfortable or we don't know how or what, or we don't know, got to get past that. I mean, there should be nobody who talks to our kids more than us and there should be no topic off limits to our kids with us. There should be nothing that they can't ask us so that we can help provide truth for them. It's gonna be a battle even with truth, them armed with truth. So Paul was sharing with these believers that each of you knows how to control your own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions, like the Gentiles who don't know God. So the principle Paul was sharing here is those who don't have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ, aren't focused on living for God or pleasing God because they don't have a relationship with God by faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Those of us who have a relationship with God by faith in Christ should think differently, we should feel differently, we should act differently, we should talk differently, because we are different in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean we're better than those who don't know Jesus. It doesn't mean we look down on those who don't know Jesus. Heaven forbid, if that's the case, we need to confess that sin to the Father. We don't put down those who don't know Jesus. We live for Jesus by the power of Jesus so that we can tell others about Jesus. You see, we've been saved by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. We have the Holy Word of God before us. We have the holy people of God around us. We have help from God to obey God by our faith in God day by day. And we should utilize that help and control our own bodies in holiness and honor in a way that is pleasing to God, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. We should be different. We should have different conversations in our homes. We should feel differently. We should act and live differently because we are different in Christ Jesus. Hey, if I'm gonna be different, I wanna be different in Christ Jesus, amen? That's the way to be different, in Christ Jesus. So how then do we put God's know-how into action in our lives? You keep talking about this know-how How do we apply God's know-how to control our own body in holiness and honor? That's a great question. Let's start to look at some practical ways we can do this. And I want to begin this morning with this first point. I think it's a great place to start. And we're going to make our way through some of these application points so that we can know how to put God's word into practice in our lives. So we can know how to control our own body and holiness and honor. This is vitally important for you and for me so that we can actually live out what God is pouring into us because he wants us to uh, live what we learn from his word. Number one, I must admit I need God's help. As we've already stated in multiple occasions, we can't live holy lives pure and pleasing to God on our own. We will not successfully resist the temptations to sexual immorality or other sins, any other sin for that matter, over a given period of time in our strength, wisdom, and abilities. Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. We know though we are saved by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, we still battle with the desires of our sinful nature that rage within us. Peter told us in 1 Peter 2 and verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage against the soul, that wage war against the soul. Though we're saved by God's grace, though we know the truth of this word, though we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us, we need to understand and realize we need God's help if we're gonna put his know-how to work in our lives. We need God's help if we're gonna control our own bodies in holiness and honor, because we have this battle that rages within us with the sinful desires of our flesh. Listen, temptation comes our way every day. It's like the mom who heard her seven-year-old son in the pantry an hour before dinner, which was against house rules. And she yelled out and she said, "Son, what are you doing in the pantry? He said, fighting temptation, mom, just fighting temptation. <laughs> we know, we know temptation comes our way every day. We got to fight on our hands. We got to fight. And it just, just when it seems like we've decked our enemy and we start to live in that victory, man, there comes another temptation. Here it comes again. And so we've got to understand and realize that we need God's help to live God's way. Now here's some some great news for us. Here's some great news for us. God knew this. God knew we would need his help to live his way. God knew we would need to understand that we desperately need to admit our need for his help. How do we know God knew this? Well, I'll tell you how we know. When God saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, he placed the Holy Spirit in us. He placed his Holy Spirit in us. You know what the Holy Spirit's called in Scripture among other, among other titles? The Holy Spirit is the helper and the counselor. Why? Because God knew we would need his help and counsel to live his way. That's why. So, We need God's help to live his way. We have God's help to live his way, which Paul told us about in Galatians. Real quick, Galatians chapter five, jot this address down if you're taking notes. If you wanna turn to your left, it's only a few pages. Galatians five, verses 15 and 16. Paul said this, I say then, walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. Right there. He couldn't have made it any more clear. Paul affirmed the reality of the internal battle of the spirit against the flesh that each of us as followers of Jesus Christ face on a day-by-day basis. And so Paul urged us here And in other places, he challenged us. He encouraged us as followers of Jesus and victors in Jesus, victors in Jesus. Say, I'm a victor in Jesus. I'm a victor. Again, one more time, real loud. I'm a victor in Jesus. Paul challenged us. He urged us. He said, as followers of Jesus and victors in Jesus, we cannot lose sight of the reality that we're victors in Jesus in this battle. We have won the battle by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We're victors. We can live in this victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. It takes work. But we can live in this victory. And he said, here's what you need to do. He said, as victors and as followers of Jesus Christ, as overcomers, as more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. That means submit to the Holy Spirit's control in our lives. By walking in obedience to God by our faith in God. Walk by the Spirit. Acknowledge I need help from God. Acknowledge I've received help from God by His Holy Spirit's presence in me. Walk by the Spirit. Yield, submit each day. God, today, this hour, this minute, God, I yield myself to you. I submit all of me to all of you, God. I submit. The leadership of the Holy Spirit, He is my counselor, He is my convictor, He is my encourager, He is my helper, He is my God. I submit humbly, God, to control the Holy Spirit, so that I may walk in obedience my faith in God, because guess what? The Holy Spirit's control will always lead us to obedience to the Word of God. And as we walk by the Spirit, you see what happens is we will not carry out the desires of our sinful flesh like we used to before we came to know Jesus. Paul, in emphasizing this point, he used an illustration of the Israelites in his writing to the believers in the church in Corinth and to all believers, including us today. And Paul used an illustration from the Israelites in the Old Testament. And Paul shared with the believers in in that church years ago, shares with us today, that the Israelites, and we know the story, most of us probably know this story, have heard this story before. God led the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt. The Israelites were in bondage in Egypt for 400 years, led them out, bondage in Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, walked through the Red Sea, got into the wilderness, heading towards the promised land, just as God had promised. They saw, the Israelites saw God's protection, God's power, and God's provision in a miraculous way. I'm not sure you get any more miraculous than the Red Sea parting you walking through it on dry ground and then turning back and watching it just collapse over an army that was coming to kill you. That's miraculous. But why did Paul use the Israelites as an illustration? Well, he used the illustrates, illus, Israelites as an illustration because shortly after watching God's power, protection, and provision for their lives, they turned away from God. And they gave in to sin, immorality, and idolatry. Almost immediately. And Paul said, so then, whoever thinks he stands must be careful that he doesn't fall. He said, be careful. You need God's help. You see, the more we grow in our faith in God, the more we know how much we need to learn from God. The more we grow in our faith in God, the more we know how much we need to listen to God. The more we grow in our faith in God, the more we know how much we need to lean on God. The more we grow in our faith in God, the more we realize how much we have yet to grow in our faith in God. The more we grow in our faith in God, the more we know how much we need to live for God by his power work in our lives. See Humility is a great defense against Satan's tactics and temptations, his accusations, and lies. Humility is a great defense. It's a fantastic defense against our enemy's tactics designed to destroy us. Humility, we see all throughout the scriptures. God says that he will... Lift up those who humble themselves before him. He'll lift them up in his time, which is a right time. God's word says that he opposes the proud, but he gives grace, he gives favor, he gives strength, he gives blessings to the humble. The humble know and understand that if I want to control my body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions, that I want to live and please God. I want to stay away from sexual immorality and I must admit that I need God's help every day all through the day. I need his help. Humility. God, I just humble myself. I'm not confused about myself and my strength and my ability. God, I'm well aware. I need you, God. I need your strength. The second point is it simply I must walk by the Spirit? You and I must walk by the Spirit. We admit we need God's help. And then we begin to walk by the Spirit day by day. Paul emphasized to these believers, and we've seen this over and over again, their personal responsibility in God's sanctification work in their lives. Paul said that you should live and please God as you're doing. That you should live and please God more and more. That you should keep away from sexual morality. That you should control your own bodies in holiness and honor. That you, that you, that you. The believers in Thessalonica had a part to play in God's sanctification work in their lives, and they played their part in God's sanctification work in their lives as they walked by the Spirit, not the flesh. This is the same responsibility that we have today. Each of us has a part to play in God's sanctification work in our lives and we play that part as we walk by the Spirit. I must walk by the Spirit day by day so that I will not carry out the sinful desires of my flesh. You must walk by the spirit day by day so that you will not carry out the sinful desires of your flesh. Walking by the spirit means the Holy Spirit leads, we follow. Walking by the spirit means we obey God by our faith in God. Walking by the spirit means we do what God asks us to do when he asks us to do it. If God is asking you this morning through his conviction by His Holy Spirit in you, to confess your sins to Him, then confess your sins to God. If God is asking you to go and encourage someone here this morning, then go and encourage someone here this morning. If God is asking you to be baptized by immersion and obedience to His Word because you've not done yet done that yet after your uh, salvation by His grace to your faith in Christ Jesus, then be baptized by immersion and obedience to the Word of God because that's your first step of obedience as a follower of Jesus Christ. If God is asking you to Pray with or for someone here this morning then you pray with and for someone here this morning. If God is asking you to be a blessing to someone then you go and be a blessing to someone. If God is asking you to minister and to serve someone here this morning then you go and minister to and serve that person this morning. If God is asking you to receive his gift of salvation by his grace to your faith in Christ Jesus then I would implore you to receive God's gift of salvation by his grace to your faith in Christ Jesus this morning. You see Why should we wait to do what God asks us to do? Why should we be afraid to do what God asks us to do? Why should we ever hesitate to do what God asks us to do? Why should we refuse to do what God asks us to do? Why should we we, we be, be more concerned with what others are thinking than what our almighty God is thinking when he is asking us to follow him in obedience to him? We know and understand what God asks us to do is best for us and those around us. We know and understand what God asks us to do is a blessing to us and those around us. And God will empower us to do whatever it is he asks us to do. All he wants is for us to simply walk by the Spirit of God's control that he has placed in us. So let's do that this morning. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team's coming to lead us in this time of response, and I just want you to respond God.